Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week we have part one of a two-part series. I will be interviewing Blair Ward. I actually know her from when I was a kid. I went to elementary school with her older brother and we've always kind of followed each other on social media and I asked her to come on my show and she was really excited actually to come on and share her own personal experiences in the medical and health arena. And last thing before we get started here is I do apologize in advance. There are some pings in the background of both of us receiving emails. I did my best to edit them out, but I apologize if some slipped through the cracks. And with that, let's just jump right on in. mentioned just now that I didn't know that you were born with a, a heart problem mm-hmm. so talking about that real quick yeah I was born with patent ductus arteriosus called a PDA it's super common it I'll actually google the definition for people that want to know genuinely what it is but if you like think of the latin word patent ductus it's like basically persistent, the arteriosus has to do with your artery. So here's the Google definition. PDA is a persistent opening between the two major blood vessels leading from the heart. The opening ductus arteriosus is a normal part of the baby's circulatory system in the womb that usually closes shortly after birth. If it remains open, it's called a patent ductus arteriosus. So my body has caused me so many problems because I didn't fully form when I was in the womb. And I know you can relate in certain, (laughs) certain areas, but I've like found out. So I have like severe scoliosis and I found out like one of my legs didn't form as much as my other leg. And I found that out this year, there was actually stuff in my lady parts that didn't fully form. And I didn't figure that out until I got my first gynecological, gynecological exam. And so The first thing they did find out, same thing as you, when I was born, I was rushed out of the hospital room and the doctor had me hooked up to all these things. They're like, her heart hasn't fully formed. It's like, how scary is that for a mom to hear? Basically it is found in the days or weeks after birth and it can close later in life, which is why I never closed mine. But issues that occur with it is poor eating or failure to like really thrive or breathlessness because if the heart is the biggest circulatory system of blood through the body and the artery that takes the blood out into the lungs never fully closes it can cause a weakened immune system because obviously things aren't working right but there's can be a backflow of blood and if your blood is infected with a bacterial infection or a virus Mm. then the circulation process of your body isn't working properly and you can be easily more infected and catch more illnesses so from a young age i was like inhabited with streptococcus and different viral infections. I think different strands of meningitis and was always like croup cough, a pneumonia, like from a very young age. And then my tonsils were taken out because that's what 
oh, you know, we don't need the tonsils. Let's just take out our tonsils. You know, 27, almost 30 years ago, that's what we thought we should do. Now we know that tonsils are one of our first line of defense from the immune system directly connected to our gut. And if there is a bacterial infection that's chronic in your tonsils, it could be because your gut is infected, such as your small intestine SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth with strep. And so if all of this is connected, then if you take out the first line of defense of the immune system, you're not shrink, you're not, you're taking out the issue, which is, wow, you're, this girl's continuously affected. You're putting a bandaid on a wound that needs stitches. You're not solving the problem that this girl has a weakened immune system. And now they made my immune system 20 times worse. So my whole childhood, I was getting like, I, you know, fainting, passing out hives, vomiting, like just sick with all these random things. And then throughout my life, it caused me to, I think, you know, this, and I'm like super open and talk to everyone about this, but if you've ever dealt with a chronic illness, the connection with your body is already adverse, especially as a woman. And so, I mean, the loving relationship with your body is difficult when you feel like it's been against you your whole life. And so I was rampant with eating disorder, like severe eating disorder for 10 plus years. It affects your mental health just as it does your physical endometriosis diagnosis and then Lyme disease diagnosis, which, which I actually think was a really bad case of chronic Epstein-Barr, but that's a whole nother story. So anyway, through time, I just caught every illness and what, a, what maybe a chronic like cold to someone else could be threatening, like life-threatening. That's usually what happened and what I was born with and where I am now. So, wow. Yeah. That's it's a lot. Start the podcast off with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought you said staphylococcus earlier. Yes. I fought that for a year too. I had it on my face oh, in junior high. I got it because I'm allergic to poison oak and I was hiking and I got poison oak. And then it just got infected and turned into that. And I fought it for like a year before it went away. It's so painful. Yeah. Staph infection. So it's so interesting. There's so much we still don't know about chronic illnesses, but staph is an, is an angry one. And last time I checked, I still have it in my gut. So, and obviously nor- everyone has, I think a little of it, like normal levels, but mine are elevated. And when it becomes elevated, just like candida elevation in your gut or other things, it can be so painful and debilitating and embarrassing. And there's just, it's a lot going on. So yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So you were just always sick. You recently were diagnosed with Lyme disease. How long ago was that? Is that after college? Yeah. Well, yes, I was always sick. Men- physically and then mentally, which tells you like, it's all connected. What, what person with a chronic illness hasn't experienced a bout of anxiety or depression or, you know, fear of the, the, whatever you're dealing with returning or anxiousness about how you're going to, you know, tiptoe and walk on eggshells and operate through life because you're, you know, you automatically feel different than the rest. So lots of mental and physical illness, I would say it's like, the mental actually became worse for me later on. But when I moved to Los Angeles, when I actually, when I graduated college, I went hiking in the Santa Cruz mountains with my friends and I got the bullseye mark from the tick, which is like this, I had always heard of it, 
But when it happened to me, I couldn't believe it. It was like this mark that just grew bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then through like three days, it started off as like a pencil mark. And then it turned into this massive thing on the side of my leg that looked like a bullseye. Wow. And it itched. It was like itchy and pussy and just gross and like growing. And I was like, did I get bit by a brown recluse? You know, Santa Cruz Mountains is like, what's up here? We don't know. So <laughs> I went into dermatologist. They did a scraping. They couldn't find anything. They took a little biopsy, couldn't find anything. They gave me ointment. It didn't help. And then I started vomiting, fever, flu, went to the doctors for that. They said, I was like, well, I have this really weird growing thing on my leg. And they're like, that has nothing to do with your flu. You just have the flu. They didn't test me for the flu, by the way, but they're like, that's what you have. And these are completely unrelated. So the dermatologist got back to me and they're like, oh, you probably have a food allergy. And I was like a centralized, a centralized mark on my leg is a food allergy. Like everyone and their mother knows if you just Google food allergies, they come off in the terms of hives when dermatoxins are coming out. So it wouldn't make sense. I didn't have hives all over. I just had one mark. I was like, this is a bite. And I don't think that they're separated symptoms, but that's what I was told by the doctors. And so I went to an allergist and I was like, so what is this food allergy I have? I got tested and my histamine intolerance was off the charts because my body was inflamed. Histamine tests are ridiculous. Like if you go in and you get them and your, your numbers are high off the charts for histamines, it just means your body's inflamed and it's probably chronically inflamed because there's a deeper issue going on. But that allergist told me, you just have histamine intolerance. So avoid bananas, avoid chocolate, avoid strawberries, spinach, like avocados, every food that has this chemical histamine, which can be triggering to your immune system and make you flare up instead. And then like, if it happens, take an antihistamine. So like Tylenol, whatever, which would decrease those levels in your body. So I go, okay. So then I start me being someone who had already dealt with an eating disorder for a few years, go this downward spiral. I'm going to avoid all of these foods that I'm apparently allergic for. I was that chick that was like going into the restaurant saying, I can't eat gluten. I can't eat dairy. I can't eat blah, 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 blah. And I start, it, it is true that my body was so inflamed that I would eat a banana and start sneezing. My eyes would swell up. I, I did start getting hives all over my body and my body was inflamed, not because I was allergic to histamines, but because I had a high level of histamines because I was infected with a virus. <laughs> so, right. right. And so for a year I started being coming breathless. I had low energy. I went from being an athlete, star athlete that would run six plus miles a day and smash it at the gym to barely being able to walk upstairs. My brain fog got crazy. I was like, leaving ovens on and leaving candles burning. I was showing up to work 30 minutes late, forgetting how to drive to work. I was just a mess. And my energy was like, I was all, I think I went a little bit loopy, like cooking for Cocoa Puffs. I was so just not a good energy to be around. Just so uptight, so wired, neurotic to a point and was nothing was going right in the head or in the body. So Finally, on a Saturday, I was laying in bed and my best friend came in and she was like, you are 23 years old or 24 and you spend every day of the week working, sleeping immediately when you get home from work, 
all the way to the next day and then never getting out of bed in the weekends just to recharge for the next week. You can, and I was like, well, that just sounds like being an adult, but, um, (laughs) I, she was like, it's not normal for a 23 year old to just be in bed all weekend and one glass of wine and you're having a migraine and one piece of chocolate and you're sneezing and their eyes are watering and swelling up and high. She's like something wrong with you. You should check out this blogger called Jordan Younger, who talks about her experience with Lyme disease. So I was like, what the hell is Lyme disease? So I read the article and I connected with this blogger so much. I actually eventually met her. She's sort of like a spokesperson besides Yolanda Hadid and other people for Lyme. Justin Bieber now, a few other people. We all have the same doctor, by the way, which is hilarious. But we all are, she's a big spokesperson for Lyme disease. And I read the article. She had all of my similar symptoms. Lyme symptoms can affect different immune systems differently, sort of like how COVID can affect different immune systems differently. But the main symptoms of Lyme, just like the main symptoms of COVID are a cough, a runny nose, a sore throat. The main symptoms of Lyme are swollen, achy joints. So you're super, super achy all the time. Your body feels like you've been hit by a bus, fatigue, exhaustion, and brain fog. So you're just, you're so tired. All you want to do is sleep and you can barely move your body. Like you literally have zero energy, basically like you're depressed because I think your body's not methylating. And then the fat, which is like making the happy chemicals. And then the third one that a lot of people deal with is the bodily symptoms of like hives, itchy rashes, the bullseye mark, acne, eczema, psoriasis, hair loss, like that kind of thing, among other things. So I had, I was breaking off hives, having achy joints, super tired. And it's not enough. It's not traumatic enough for people or a doctor to be like, you have a serious problem because doctors in America are built to treat people with emergencies and not to help the quality of life of people who are struggling with these annoying little like bing things every single day. So I would go to the doctors and they would, they were testing. I started limping in my left leg. So they were testing me for MS, ALS, Parkinson's, like cancer. I I started getting tests for thyroid cancer because my voice was going hoarse. And it was disaster spending hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. on credit cards, going into different doctors. And finally I go to this Jojo Younger's um, doctor and she tasked me for all the things. And she's like, Oh my God, you have Lyme disease. And I was like, excuse me. Um, and she's like, yeah, you came back with all of these bacteria that you, that signal that you have it. You are the perfect candidate for it. You have toxic heavy metals in your system, you have mold in your system and your sinuses, you have staph infection in your like brain and heart or wherever else she said and your stomach and you have SIBO and you, she just told me all of these issues. And so I started doing treatment with her and I had to take, at this point I had to leave work because I was useless anyway. Like I couldn't do anything. I started doing a bunch of treatments for Lyme disease with her. And then it was hundreds of thousands of dollars down the drain. And finally I couldn't afford treatment anymore. So it was a really sad place in my life to realize that unless you are really well off in America and can afford $300 a month of insurance or out of pocket because insurance companies don't cover Lyme disease, funny enough, because most treatment for Lyme is holistic and FDA would never approve that. Like they're never going to be like, eat sulfate from broccoli because that will kill viruses. They're like... They would never do that because it's not regular. You can't regulate it. So 
finally, I was just like, I have to do what I have to do. I can't keep living here and uh, surviving in America. I can't afford it. My parents are both teachers. We didn't have like two dimes to rub together at this point and they couldn't help me. So I moved to Scotland because the NHS is a central, it's a centralized healthcare system where they have made leaps and bounds in chronic care support for patients with symptoms such as rheumatoid arthritis. They know Lyme disease over there. America doesn't really know it yet. So when I was paying $1,000 or more a month in America, I was paying a thousand, a thousand pounds a year, which is you know, 1,000 something dollars in Scotland for the same treatment. So I, I was a privilege that I could go over there and do it. And, and that's how I healed basically from Lyme disease. I'm still healing. It's a, I was told by the doctor that it would be like a five-year thing because once you get it and it's because I caught it so late, you know, it was two years of me struggling and going to different doctors, not knowing until I caught it, that it's going to be double that time to heal. And if I knew what I knew now, I would have healed faster. But I think the biggest lesson I learned is since Lyme disease is so controversial, it's probably, it could not, maybe it's not even Lyme. It could have just been an Epstein, a really bad viral infection at Epstein-Barr or Streptococcus or the combination of my weakened immune system due to that whole cocktail of things that we found, the parasites in my gut, everything else that started from my heart disease way early on. Right. Um, and the immune system then. So it's it, now, I mean, that all led me to like not really trusting doctors in the medical system that much because I had that experience. So I'm always questioning everything at this point. And out of, interestingly enough, out of all my friends that have had Lyme disease and are, I'm the only one that's still not struggling because I went a different route that most people are told is not the right route to take. But I, was so sick. I, you, I know you, you, you felt so it's like, I will try anything to get better. I tell me to howl at a moon and jump barefoot. I'll do it. Like whatever I have to do to heal. So that's my long winded story of Lyme disease. <laughs> hey, so what, what was the treatment that they suggested here versus the treatment that you wound up getting? So in the United States, health insurance companies, if you have a positive test of Borreliella um, bacteria done by the Western block test, then they will give you doxycycline, which is a standard drug that has killed viruses. And I think sometimes they use it for like malaria and stuff like that. I have no idea. I could be wrong. They use it for acne as well. Like if you have chronic acne, people will put you on doxycycline because I think they've found that that drug mysteriously kills viruses or or not kills, puts viruses into dormancy and kills bacteria. So to be fair, when I was on Doxy, I did feel better. But again, I think it puts the virus virus into dormancy, which is what all people can hope for. But I don't believe that a virus can't be killed. Like that's a very controversial statement, but most people, for example, COVID, once you have a spike protein, you'll always have a spike protein. It's like, once you have HPV or I think Lyme disease is a virus or Epstein-Barr virus, EBV, like it will always be in your body and it can always come out of dormancy. I don't think that's the case. I just don't think we know how to kill it yet. Yeah. <laughs> like a virus is a living thing. It burrows itself so deeply in our body that these antibiotics can make our bodies 
even worse because the viruses are resistant mainly to a lot of antibiotics. So I think they're successful. At kill- we know they're successful at killing off bacterial infections and not viral. So the idea is that Borreliella is the bacteria transferred from the ticks that caused the viral or the bacterial infection. And therefore the infection is bacterial. We should treat it with the drug that we know kills bacteria. Makes sense, right? But we have like the Western blot test is faulty and it fails us. And Borreliella is really in those like lab corpse labs when they're testing, they test your blood and then they test how it reacts to this bacteria. And if it's reacting, they're assuming that that is what's in you and why you're caused, why you're having an issue. There's so many more deeper layers to this disease that we don't know. And so I think, again, when I took it, I felt better for a little bit, but it was abandoned on when it needs Other people take it and they feel fine for the rest of their life, potentially because they put this virus into dormancy and it doesn't show up to like 10, 15 years later when they've had a divorce or a breakup and they're in trauma and like it comes out again. So doxy is what America does. And besides that, you have to go to private practitioners because our health insurance companies only provide support for emergency situations. And rarely, if ever, do they provide support for chronic illness patients. And since Lyme is a chronically, is a chronic condition, which takes an extended period of time to heal with experimental tests, insurance companies don't cover experimental practices. Those practices are actually highly successful and helpful for people. For example, because they lessen symptoms, mold exposure, you can use ozone. So they literally take ozone, like from the ozone layer, and they spray it into your sinuses and it kills the bacteria and the mold and the infections that may be in your sinuses, causing you massive migraines, brain fog, memory loss, and all those issues. When it's killed and it's gone, it's gone, right? Unless you're reinfecting yourself living in a house with mold. But that seems to be a solution to a, to a co-infection but again, a band-aid on women that needs stitches that needs more research and test subjects. The other thing that they do is they do a lot of uh, Myers cocktails. So a lot of injections for Lyme patients because they're trying to build your immune system back up to the point where you can fight a virus anyway, because most people are so sick and locked down, knocked down. So they're going to give you B12 in that little IV. It's like B12, vitamin D, zinc, a lot of other things that chronically ill people seem to be deficient in. You know, it's a pattern. So why not give them what they need? Oh, because maybe they'll always need it because they'll always be ill. So insurance companies won't pay for it. So that's another. And then a lot of supplements that are not FDA approved, which is a big thing because it's, it's difficult. I hate it. But like after studying Lyme, there's like 5 million people who think they know the answer. And the answer is there's not an answer. The answer is what works for Becky's body might not work for my body. So we need to test and see, you know, I healed by following a certain protocol that I have seen other people try that's failed and they've tried different protocols that's worked for them and failed. We need to see what your gut looks like, what your blood looks like, what your vitals, adrenals and hormones look like, and then make an individualized treatment for you and base your supplements off of what you need. Why would America never do that? We don't have the time. Like we literally do not, unless you go to someone that's a private practitioner, which is like what I did, hundreds of them, I mean, Justin Bieber goes to her. 
how is I going to pour that? Right. But unless you go to her, you're not going to have a doctor sitting down. Oh, Becky, it looks like you're, we just did all of your vitals. You're not even allowed to ask for at your annual checkup. You're not allowed to ask for a full vital test with your doctor. You can't ask, Hey doc, I just, I really want to see what my blood hormones, stool, this, that, and this look like. He'll say, I'm sorry, your insurance will only allow you to ask for that if you have an issue and a problem. So I've literally had to lie to go into doctors and be like, I feel super tired. I can barely get out of bed, whatever, just because I want to see my vitamin D level, you know? So over in the UK, I went to the doctor and I was like, I'm tired. They tested my whole entire panel and they're like, oh, you need iron and vitamin D. It was which it was $30. I walked out of there with a $30 copay plus the supplement that I needed for 60 total. So it's just a different world of treatment of, you know, we can provide here what people need, but for exorbitant prices that no one can afford. And it becomes an economic disparagement for people who need it most. And the people who can't afford things are the ones that are typically sick in the first place because they're malnourished and they're not getting the right healthcare in the first place. So how are we going to lift those people up if the only people that can afford the treatment are the rich? So I don't want to get like too political, but it's just, it's, if I have like one fight to fight in life, it's to raise awareness of the injustice of the medical system and how it can prey. Like doctors are incentivized to give us certain drugs and antibiotics financially and how that can weaken the immune systems and prey on innocent families and people who look at doctors as authorities and trust them. We trust the white coat. Like the Stanford experiment shows us that if an authority figure tells a patient to do something, they'll, they'll do it. So it's very interesting how I, th- I the difference between, I think, national healthcare, like in Canada or the UK, although they have problems of their own because when they have emergencies, nothing's accessible over there. And so America, it's like so much better for that. If, if you have cancer, you want to be in America. If you need an emergency surgery, you want to be in America. Otherwise, maybe when you were a baby born with what you had, you were whipped out of, you might've been ripped out of the hospital and literally sitting there waiting to die until they told you three months down the line, they could fix you. And at that point, you know, you wouldn't have been taken care of. So I'm not totally hating on America. I'm just saying that like, I love my country so much, but if there's something we could like fix, it's the privatized healthcare. And in the UK, you have more option and choice. Yeah. Oh, and more autonomy to be like, Hey, you know, can I, this is an issue. This is my blood test. Like, can we try this, this, and this versus nope. I didn't allow that. So, but there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, Heck, people are trying beasting therapy, and I don't agree with that. And did you did you do that? No, I actually have a friend who is doing that right now. Does she is she into it? She's all about it. Yeah, it's so interesting. People are super about. I'm not into beasting therapy because I would love to talk to her about it. But one of my friends did it for a long time, and I think it has to do with a histamine connection. And I think that the consistent, like to me, a bee sting is like a lime bite or a spider bite, which can inflict, inflame the immune system. So the consistent inflammation of the immune system through time would strengthen your body response and decrease your symptoms because of the consistency of the practice. So you feel better, 
because your immune system's used to it, you know, and it's used to the pain and the inflammation, but I haven't seen it cure people, but some people have said like, for them, it could have been the key, like your friend to unlock her healing. And she literally could be like, nothing else has worked. So maybe that is what her body needed. Is the FDA ever going to prove that? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So, and so go good for her. Like, heck yeah. She, you have to go alternative sometimes when you lose trust in what you've been told and what you've been given. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like you were saying, like not everyone's the same. So just because it works for her, doesn't mean it's going to work for you and vice versa. Yes, exactly. And it it could be really exactly what her body, what's her illness that she's. Oh gosh. She's like tired all the time. She's got migraines all the time. Um, Her stomach is upset all the time. And then it turns out that she was living in a house that was like infested with mold, which as you know, is a huge yeah. trigger in Lyme. So she's just... working on correcting her immune system. Not makes yeah. sense. God, I feel so bad. It's yeah, like she actually had to move back home to New York to move in with her mom while she's going through treatment. Cause she's like, I can't work. I can't do anything. It's debilitating. I just want to give her a hug. It's, it's seriously heartbreaking women, especially I don't want to like gender type here, but like women, for some reason, I feel like maybe we talk about it more. You know what I mean? So maybe a lot of guys go through it, but and we talk about it more, but most of my clients that I work on with on chronic illnesses are women. And it's just, I don't know what it is, but I do actually think we have a lot more going on, like the immune, immune system and our gut and the fact that our uterus is... I've just recently discovered with my own endometriosis journey and I dealt with the cervical cancer thing this year as my immune system keeps going down different things But I've, I, and then once I started studying COVID and realizing that the spike proteins actually hang out in the prostate and the uterus, once you either get the vaccine or you contracted COVID, it's interesting. I'm like, I think there's so much we need to learn about the uterus and, and also the prostate and men and how that could be affecting us and what our mothers could pass down to us in terms of like viral infections. And, but anyway, I'm going on rabbit holes here, but it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. You definitely caught me talking about my, my passion topic. So clearly. Clearly. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. Again, this was just part one of a two-part series with Blair Ward. I really had a fun time chatting with her and hearing from her because she has actually done so much research and studied a lot of what she's gone through. And I find that really interesting because a lot of people who do grow up with medical problems wind up either becoming a nurse or just in general becoming interested in learning more about the medical field. So I really liked hearing from her because she's able to give both perspectives of having researched it while also having lived through it. So tune in with me next week to hear part two of Talking with Blair. And please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts if you enjoyed this episode. 
to help me keep this podcast going, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. If you're interested in sharing your story or know someone who does, please feel free to reach out to me either on my website, bodytalkwithbex.com, or you can find me on social media at bodytalkwithbex.com.